welcome to Making Our Way podcast, where we take a deep dive into the projects and creative process of our fellow makers. I'm Austin from High Caliber Craftsman, and I'm excited to join you for this episode with Dean Duplantis and Christy from Twisted Twine Woodworking. Hey guys, good to see you this week. Hey, hey. Hey man, what's up? Christy, it looks like you're the big winner. <laughs> yeah, I was quite tickled today. Um, got the news, the raffle for the Maker Chess set. Um, would, and I mean, to have, for Emmett to be able to hand over that check for $3,040 um, to Proud Haven yeah, in big. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I mean, that is just, that is, that's just awesome. And, um, you know, it was, it was so sweet. He kind of got choked up a little bit about it. And she, her reaction was just like, she was taken aback by how much was raised. So I was just, you know, I'm just tickled that it all turned out so good for them that they were able to, you know, they're going to be able to do some real good stuff with that money and everything. The, yeah, that's a, that's a sizable amount of cash to get in one donation, you know? Yeah. Especially an unexpected donation. You know what I mean? This is not something they planned for or pushed for, or had to, you know, promote or do their, whatever their annual things are to raise money. I've worked with a lot of uh, not-for-profits over the years and, Whew, it's hard to raise money. Well, and then let's not lose focus of the irony is you didn't make any of the pieces. That's the best thing you about to, it. Honestly. Yeah. We were like, you don't have time to make a piece. Yeah. Stay out of this one. You didn't make a single piece and then you win it. That's uh, that's legitimate for sure. Yeah, and that's what is so special about this set for me because, and I know everybody wanted to win it because it's amazing. I mean, there is not a piece in that set that's not just amazing. I enjoyed um, when we interviewed Emmett a few weeks ago, walking through each of those pieces, different methods, different types from all over the country and actually international um, people as well. So to have that many people collaborate on something and so many of those people are friends of mine, you know what I mean? So Honestly, this chess set is going to go on parade with me anywhere I go somewhere where I'm going to be able to show it off because you're right. None of it's mine. I'm not showing off me at all. I'm showing off y'all because it is just that amazing. So, so the other thing, one other thing I, I was greedily thinking about is the value is beyond the the money even raised. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the independent pieces, I, I mean, sure. There are pieces like mine that are, you know, worthless but there are other people in there that submitted pieces that they sell their work for premium prices thanks dean i really appreciate two, it i really just the two queens alone honestly <laughs> austin yours is yours is up there i mean you you have a three digit your queen costs as much as what christy's sizable donation on her own part was um and then the the other queen i mean rebecca sells her work for lots of money we yeah. know the hours jeff put in a his night, you know, the PL Smith pair, their stuff is very collectible. Lindsay sells her artwork for, you know, nice returns. Um, and the it just goes on and on and on of if you really were to go through and, and put a value on each piece, it's in the it's got a comma in that total too. Right. So this was not some, you know, macaroni macrame. <laughs> 
thing that you want oh, here. Definitely. Um, but I do want to, I don't want to rain on your parade. I do want you to know that I have submitted a request for a formal investigation into it. I think it's a little <laughs> suspicious that ticket number two of all the tickets won. I question whether he even wrote numbers on the rest of the tickets. I find it <laughs> interesting that the person who was first aware that the tickets were for sale first to purchase tickets also won. It just seems a little fishy. Like that was contrived and put up uh, at the beginning. Then it seemed a little weird that uh, he didn't know who ticket number two was and they had to look at the phone. Come on. You don't know who the first fucking ticket you sold was to. <laughs> I- I'm not buying this. So I have five a <laughs> complaint to get a full inquiry done and an investigation into was this drawing legal? I want to see the rest of the tickets. Did they have numbers written on them? I have no proof that any of the other tickets were legitimate. Um, this feels rigged from the beginning and I have, I want an inquiry done. Well, I think if you would go back and watch the video, uh, he does show the bucket and there are numbers. I see. So, there, yeah, are, from, uh, there are numbers written on there. Way back here. Way and, you know, back here. I have served as the accountant uh, slash verifier. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So uh-huh. I have full faith. Price Waterhouse Christie. <laughs> I have full faith <laughs> that Emmett um, did the right thing. And um, Christie's backstage at the Oscars, handwriting the winners in. <laughs> I want to know whose handwriting that number two was. That didn't look like Emmett's handwriting. That was way fancier than I, um, than my handwriting. How does a man who's known for making pins use a Sharpie to write on tickets? (laughs) There's just so many questions here. I think his wife was involved with the ticket numbering. Oh yeah. Well, obviously, obviously this runs deep. It runs to the top. (laughs) There's several layers here of inadequacies and just things that don't add up. Well, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I do all kidding aside, I do want to mention the one person that it, that was the anonymous donor. Um, Cause you know, like I said, Emmett had said there was 30 or $3,040 or whatever donated one person alone, which was not me. Um, one person alone donated a thousand dollars matching and didn't have any tickets put into the drawing. So the reality of it is I wouldn't have won if they would have wanted their, you don't know that. Well, you bought ticket two. Ten dollars was enough to win. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Everyone else who donated is a fucking sucker. <laughs> After Christy got the fix in, every other ticket in that box was you're a sucker. You're a sucker. No, the fix was in from the beginning. It's all the from rest the of the heart. donations were fraudulent. Donating oh, to huh. such a good organization, huh. um, you yeah. know, to help teenagers and 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 people that are 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 dealing with with serious issues. So I. You know, I'm tickled to win, as I've said many times already. Um, and uh, I'm going to be showing this off like a proud mama, even though I had nothing to do with making any piece whatsoever. Maybe you can see Dean can have some visitation rights. <laughs> I'm going to set it on fire. If I can't have it, nobody's going to have it. I'm sure one of you use lacquer or something flammable. Mine does. Mine's got lacquer on it for sure. There you go. <laughs> The double cross. Yep. There we go. So yes. Yeah. Mine, mine's really a flint rock on top. It's a combustible <laughs> situation waiting to occur. Yeah. You, oh, I mean, and when we, when we uh, interviewed Emmett, you, like I said, then you guys have two of the best pieces on the entire board. You know, I, I mentioned that originally and, and um, so I'm going to need to pick you guys' brains on how to, um, how to display it because I want to put it on the yeah. wall in the in the shop in the new shop and which we'll talk mm-hmm. more about next week we don't have time to go into that this week too 
But when folks are coming over to my house, there's going to be a spot here in the house that it's going to be setting. So everybody can see it when they come in the house too. But out in the shop, I want it out there because I, I feel like it's, it's my people, my friends that are going to be around me in my shop. Yeah, that's cool. So Dean, what have you been up to this week? You know, if you listen to last week's episode, I talked about the the tree and it was because I'd actually taken off of work that day and, and spent some time that day starting the tree. So I actually finished my uh, whiskey barrel stave tree over the weekend. It went together really quick um, after I got the design figured out and the staves, uh, how I wanted them to cut and, and layer. Uh, the two longest parts of the process were making the YouTube video, which mm-hmm. I, I made one and it's up and putting the lights on. And a lot of that came down to, I put the lights on and this is something I was reflecting on earlier. I think one of the biggest growths I've had as a maker is so many projects when I was in my early twenties and I, it was just about move on, mm-hmm. get it done and yeah. move on. It's done. And it was like, when you finish, that was it. It was, it, that was it. It's done. And I've learned that, well, no, it's not done. You can always take it apart and put it back together a different way. Um, and so I, I finished the tree and I looked at it and I shot video and everything. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate it. I didn't hate the tree. I hated the lights. So if you haven't watched the video, what I had was um, I wanted colored LED lights and I wanted them to be at least 60 feet long and I needed them to plug into the wall. So the set I ordered on Amazon came in and they had that just thick green cord, you know, think Christmas tree lights. Right. right? So I decided the cord just was such a jumbled mess. It took away from the lines. You know, I I put so much effort into getting a consistent curvature and consistent angling on the staves that it took all those lines away. It was like a spider web on a tree. So I decided to go fairy lights, which would have less infrastructure. But the problem with I was run into is a lot of them are only 10 to 25 ish feet long. So I was going to need multiple strings, which is fine. I ended up getting a set and I wired, I spliced them all together to run off the same battery pack, wired those up. Didn't like those either. And it just kind of came down to the lights were really bright. So I thought if I put them on one side of the tree, I'd get a cool shadowing effect, but the batteries drained like that. And it was like, after a few minutes, the batteries had drained so much that it just looked black from one side and carnival on the other side. So I ended up going with another set of fairy lights that did plug into the wall was 66 feet long and it had the copper wire. And what I found was when I wrapped the copper around this charred white Oak, it was very um, reminiscent of the cage on a champagne bottle. So you have that wire cage holding the cork into a champagne bottle. And so the materials felt like they went together much better than the green rubber coated wire, this copper wire wrapped around. So I spent time making sure like I got a good cross. It was symmetrical that I didn't get some jumbled bird's nest that took away from the design. And then the other thing I did was I added nails to the backside. So I'd have anchor points at the edges and in the middle. That's a good idea. And what that let me do is as I turn the staves without anchors, if I turn the staves, the wires would shift left and right. But when I put the nails in, I was like, okay, this wire is not moving beyond this part, twist around, go up to the next stave. And so that extra bit of structure uh, really solidified things. Uh, and then the last um, big score was I had bought two pounds of the, the glass rocks. It wasn't enough to fill the bottle. It only went up about maybe between 75 and 80%. And so I didn't really want to spend another $20 to use 
a few rocks and we went to Hobby Lobby for my wife had like crazy craft weekend. <laughs> and we went to Hobby Lobby to buy some stuff for her Halloween costume. And uh, they had a small pack of the rocks for $2.99. And it was exactly what I needed. It was actually more than I needed, but I was able to top the bottle off some felt feet on the bottom. And um, in the end, I'm super happy with how it came out. And I've actually, the ornaments that people have been sending were all in a cardboard box in the closet. Well, now I'm able to, as they come in, I take their photos and then I bring it inside and hang it on the tree. Cool. So it's uh, it's been a nice addition, even though I'm sure Kristen's not pleased that I have Christmas decorations up in October, <laughs> but it's a cool look when you walk by. So it's cool. Yeah. It looks really good. Like it looks when you were kind of describing it, I was like, I don't really know how that's going to pan out, but it, it looks really good. So good. Good job. You were like, oh, this is kind of sound like a permanent pumpkin. What a dumb fucking. <laughs> exactly. Um, like terrible idea. And what have you been up to this week, Austin? Man, it's like speaking of holidays, it's exploded in my uh, in my workshop with orders for pins. So I've, I've been doing more pins than I've done in months, um, just the past couple of weeks. And so I, I actually it's it's put full stop on any YouTube production. And I just I just haven't had time. And uh Hey, you got to pay the bills. Yeah. And that's what during this time of year, you got to make money. So it's, um, I got plenty of time in January and February to do whatever. (laughs) Um, so that's what basically I've just been jamming on that. Um, and I've really been in like a different state of mind where I'm just like, because I can't go do what I wanted to go do because I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have, the ability to, I have to do what I have to get done. Mm-hmm. So I've been in like super brainstorm mode. I've made so many pins in my life. I don't have to think about it. Right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just there and just going through the motions. So I'm thinking about the next projects and I, I bet you, I have like 30 things over the last week that I wrote in my notebook of like, you know, terrible ideas like my pumpkin. <laughs> A, I'm giving you a hard time. It's a pumpkin. It's nice. a, I Sorry. thought it was a great craft. What's how bad is it doing on your YouTube though? Oh yeah. It's terrible. Oh, but okay. It, it actually looks good on the porch. Well, like, yeah, yeah that's it looks all it great. And I'll tell you what, the two pumpkins that we carved four days and they're completely destroyed or rotten, like yeah. unbelievably fast. And, uh, those freaking pumpkins. Uh, what is it? What how what kind of an inflation rate does pump do pumpkins have? Because my wife dropped like a hundred dollars on pumpkins Ooh. that rotted. I'm like, this is insane. I'm gonna go buy more Hershey's. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and sell them bitches on the Facebook. food or the pumpkins are just gonna. I mean, they're naturally gonna rot. There's no like preservation process. So these just went super fast. Oh, like, okay. And you know, she does the whole. She took the boys did the whole thing where you like go to the pumpkin patch and all that stuff, which they don't even grow them in the pumpkin patch. Like these are not grown in Virginia. No. <laughs> like these, you're not cutting them off the vine. <laughs> They're already cut laying in the field. I mean, they have pumpkins growing there, but it's more of the experience, right. And like for the kids, but yeah, I'm like, you're paying a premium for these rotten pumpkins. <laughs> Actually, my dad um, and his two brothers, you know, they all farm and they have they do have in the last oh, probably 10 or 12 years. They, they've been doing pumpkins in the fall and they set up a, like a hay wagon. They set up either in the field along the highway or in town 
and they have a little um, the little box that is drilled to the um, to the wagon. And then you just put whatever money in there, you know, based on what it's supposed to be. But it's total honor system. I mean, and somebody could, you know, snag the whole thing. But, you know, it's I think it's still kind of cool that there's still that much of an honor system that can still be had and people are going to pay. I mean, they, they pay for the pumpkins. They could just run off with the pumpkins or run off with the money, but we've never had a problem with it. I just think that's still kind of cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And in Hawaii, there's a ton of that, with, but it's fruit stands, right? There's, you know, they're, it's, they're having fruit all the time. So, and it always has signs. It's like, if you're hungry, take it. If you, oh. you know, if not pay and here's the box. Right. So, which I think is cool because Hawaii has a pretty good size homeless population. Mm. Um, so they, uh, you know, at least they're taken care of a little bit. That's true. Today we're joined here with uh, Wesley Treat, sign maker, woodworker, metal worker, just really all around maker. Great to have you on today. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you fit in the maker world from your perspective? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been working on that elevator pitch for like five years and I still don't have it down. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a generalist. Um, a, a lot of people know me for, for my sign work. Um, it's a big part of my, you know, my, you know, professional work, um, do a lot of work for bars and restaurants and a lot of that you know, involves signage. Um, I do a lot of, uh, I mostly retro signage, um, right. you know, old neon, you know, big arrows and, and that sort of thing, sort of that, that googie style. Um, so I'm, I'm known, uh, I'm known for a lot of that stuff, but I do a lot of other things, a lot of nerdy stuff. Um, uh, I've been, uh, somebody just reminded me, I, I started a, a gonk droid, a star Wars gonk droid, a year ago, which I haven't gotten back to, um, <laughs> things like that. Um, uh, what else? Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm hard to summarize. I <laughs> uh, just oddball, oddball things. I get bored easily. So, you know, I'll jump from one thing to the next. Um, uh, I've gotten better about finishing projects. That's um, good. yeah, but, uh, uh, I do, my, my mind does wander and I, uh, I've got a huge list of of, uh, of strange things to, to do. That's good. Looking forward to seeing them. We, um, and your name actually came up once before on the podcast, particularly about your sign. Cause I think Austin wants to do a, a sign over his lathe. So we might touch on that a little later, but we okay. mainly wanted to at least start focus, um, on maker camp. Oh, okay. Um, I had, I had the pleasure of being there and to see the maker burn dinosaur. Oh, uh, yes. Maker camp. Yes. So uh, kind of give us a, a little like for those that are listening that haven't seen it. I don't know what few people that might be, but kind of give us just a little overview of of what what did we see? It was a um, a 24 foot uh, scrap wood dinosaur that we built in six days and then lit it on fire <laughs> yes that's, yep, that's yeah it's about as simple as that uh michael alm and i and johnny trombucus um built uh built this dinosaur we got there on the uh michael and i got there on the sunday 
uh, prior to camp and then started uh, on Monday <laughs> uh, planning things out and trying to find wood. Uh, we didn't want to use new wood. We wanted to find as much scrap wood as possible. Um, and we found the scrappiest of wood. Uh, we can go into that. <laughs> yeah, there was there were things wrong with that wood, um, and uh, and and kind of uh, engineered it uh, as as we went along, and uh, got done about two hours before we before we burned it. And so, so how many? It was the first year. It was the first year. Uh, it's only I mean only second year of Maker Camp, but you know the first that's that was the inaugural Maker Burn. And how many of your projects do you normally set on fire a week after beginning them? <laughs> on purpose, just the one. <laughs> so let's kind of go unless, back. Unless to you the... count, unless you count my uh, my mini uh, wiener grill that I that oh, I made. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's kind of go back to the beginning. How how did this idea even come up? Come up? How did how did this um, how did this even start? Uh, well, I was at the first. I was the first camp in uh, 2019 and I almost didn't go. Um, I, I had, there was a lot going on. I think I had just done some other event. Oh, I had just, uh, I had just been to the maker ranch out in California with, uh, with Ben and Jesse. Um, that was just before Brett moved out there. And um, uh, so I had just come back from the West coast and I wasn't sure I wanted to go all the way to the East Coast, but at the last minute, I changed my mind and got one of their very last rooms and drove all the way out there and just had the best time. I uh, got to hang out at Jimmy's place and um, fell in love with with camp. Uh, you know, it was the first year, so it was rough around the edges, but it was it was different from, you know, the other the other events. You know, you've got you got workbench con which is mm -hmm. geared toward content creators and is very uh, business oriented uh you've got the you did have the maker fairs um which were uh more um uh, there, there's a lot more electronics and robotics and that sort of thing you know which i love um but it was a maker camp was a completely different atmosphere it really was like going off to camp because mm -hmm. you're staying at this this resort, which is just this, this wild Catskills, like it dates back to the height of when people went to the Catskills. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, it, it was just, uh, everybody was just kind of making it up, uh, you know, as, you know, like on the spot, um, mm -hmm. And you had forging, you had a lot of real hands-on stuff, you know, a lot of, you don't, you don't do a lot of dirty making at, at Maker Faire. Right. Um, and here you can get, you can get filthy, uh, you know, forging and, and wood turning and, and it's just people getting together and it's more focused on, um, uh, uh, on, on the act of making and learning um, that it, it just completely different from from other places. So, so I, I loved it. And I decided, uh, I wanted to get involved the next year somehow. And, and one of the things that always kind of, uh, bothered me about, about these events was that they just kind of ended, uh, like, like even Maker Faire, which was, 
you know, they had, they had that thing down. It was all organized and scheduled and everything. But like at the end, like, at the, you know, Sunday evening, at some point you just look around and you're like, oh, the crowds are really thin now. And mm-hmm. I guess it's time to go and people just start wandering out and it's really anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like, and I would try to get some, I would get a bunch of people and maybe try to go to dinner and do some final thing, you know, which I really felt that maker camp needed because it was very, uh, it was very, it's very social. You know, right, a lot of people absolutely. know each other. That's one of, that's another one of the things is, um, you know, we, we hang out just even after the scheduled hours, we're still hanging out in that field. The forges are still going. It's just free forging. And, um, you know, people have, you know, set somebody set up a tent in the corner. I think it was, uh, I think it was Patrick Reynolds, uh, set up yeah. a tent and a, and a fire and people just kind of, you know, Greg, uh, you know, know, uh, they found themselves over at the fire drinking and yeah. So I I wanted something. um, I think the original idea was I wanted something collaborative, um, maybe something that everybody could build together, maybe bring something from home or we could do, or uh, I never, I never figured out a way to, you know, to do the thing um, where everybody could be involved safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I wanted something, uh, I, I, I wanted to put that together, have something, have everybody come together, uh, and have like, uh, some kind of closing ceremony where we could all celebrate together, mm-hmm. um, and, and have just that, that final punch there at the end. And then we can all still wander off and drink and stuff, but with, you know, we've, it, now it feels like, you know, the, the, everything is come together. It's that culmination, you know, the, the climax of the event. And, um, uh, Michael Alm, uh, uh, who was a friend of mine, um, he had done an event before, um, as a guy he knows, uh, and, uh, what, what does he call it? Um, uh, I, I forget his event is basically, it's a, it's a great big barbecue, gets a bunch mm-hmm. of people together and he builds a big, uh, like a big animal like this out of, out of oh, wood uh-huh. and then, and does a big bonfire. And, uh, Michael had helped him construct that, uh, one year. And I thought, you know, that could be a great idea. Um, if, uh, if Austin would let us do it, Austin handle right. who, who started the event, mm-hmm. um, with, uh, he and, he and Jimmy, and so I asked Michael if he wanted to, you know, to be involved with this um, because he knew what to do. I've never built something this big and, and he was into it and I pitched it to Austin and he said, that's great. Yeah, let's do it. And that's, that's how it, uh, that, that's how it is miraculously. They, they let us pull it off. I it's where, yeah, where, where they're at in East Durham, you can basically, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of my questions or curiosities is were there any like restrictions, advice? Not that we were given, no. <laughs> oh, okay. And yeah. and I guess you guys, I mean, you guys, I'm sure they knew that they could trust you guys to make you you guys weren't going to do anything like totally reckless. I mean, that's just not, you know, I think I think that's a safe assumption. Uh maybe. 
they have a saying out there is there are no rules, but we'll let you know if you break them. Right. That's kind of the attitude out there. So uh, I know Austin did have a concern about because we were going to go 30 feet. Um, that was our, that was our first, but he, he said, let's, let's bring it down a little, maybe let's do, maybe let's do 15. And I got him to compromise at 20 because <laughs> 15 wasn't going to be that big. And uh-huh. we, we accidentally went to, uh, to 24. <laughs> That's how our math worked out. It turned out great. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I'm still working. I'm still in the whole maker burn thing. I'm editing videos and uh, Michael and I are both making videos uh-huh. on the burn. Uh, they went up the Friday before this airs. Uh, oh, we're going to post them sim- simultaneously. And I have not seen his. He has not seen mine. So I don't know. Uh, they're probably both going to be very different. Um, but uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. But this is a different kind of video than I've done before. So uh, please, everybody go check that out. And if you don't want to go to Maker Camp after you, after you watch these, then we, we, we did something wrong because <laughs> these, I just rewatching this whole thing. I'm, I'm living it again. And it's, it excites me every time. So this, it, they, like the event hasn't ended for me yet. So as far as the planning, how much planning was done or was all the planning done before you guys got there to start building or, or did you guys just, what was the planning process? I guess is my question. Um, well, there was a big now now we actually started this we started talking about this um for 2020 mm-hmm. um, right. so michael and i had had started planning we started coming up with ideas and um uh, he made a couple of sketches and um and then of course you know 2020 didn't happen mm-hmm. um so it was put on hold so there was a little bit of we we had, we had in mind basically what we were going to do for like a year and a half. Um, but then finally, once we got confirmation that it was happening this year, uh, we, you know, we started up again. We said, Hey, was it, you know, do you still want to do uh, a dinosaur? Is that, is that what we want to stick with? We thought, yeah, it'd be a great, you know, first yeah, you know, thing to make. Uh, people love dinosaurs. So uh, Michael did a lot of that. He, uh, again, because he is, he had done one before, right. you know, he, he knows uh, basically how to uh, some of the basics of how, how it starts, um, how to get a good foundation going for it. And uh, he had sketched it out. Um, and uh, in, in like the weeks just prior to camp, uh, I think he really started doing some more detailed sketches and figuring out exactly how it was going to, going to work, you know, and, and it's what we, what we did was, was geometric. We didn't, we weren't going really organic. There's no round corners or anything, you know, because it's, we got to do it quick. It's, it's, we still have to do it fast. We wanted it to look great, but still do it fast. So he's, uh, and I think he had in mind a lot of what the internals, uh, you know, at least a basic idea of how it was going to go. But, but what we did as far as specifically planning how it was going to be built that started Monday night. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Michael and I and Johnny uh, went up to, uh, they've got the, uh, the, the main office there at the resort, uh, which for some reason is never locked. 
even when nobody's there. <laughs> they they close the the front desk is closed at like six p.m., mm-hmm. but the building is still open, and and we had asked them. Um, uh, it was great because we were kind of we were kind of VIPs. We just asked them to you know can we use the the dining hall which is right there next to the office, mm-hmm. and um, I said yeah what do we care go ahead. So we went in there that night um, after a day of, and it was raining. Mm-hmm. It was raining when we got there. It rained all day, and uh, we had we had pilfered. Uh, we cleaned out Jimmy's shop of scrap wood. Right. Yeah. yeah. Except for the really good stuff. He let us have like, you know, his scrap plywood and his just, we loaded up Johnny's truck, uh, which was a fairly new truck. And we, we befouled that whole truck with mud. And <laughs> so that was, that was, that was Monday, just finding out what kind of materials we had, mm-hmm. which probably kind of influenced how we started. That makes sense. Um, and then Monday night, after we had dried off, we went up to uh, the dining hall, just had the big dining hall by ourselves and got some cardboard and some tape and a glue gun, all of which, again, we stole it from Jimmy and uh, and started putting a model together. Um, and uh, Michael made a grid on one of his sketches and we did some math and made a grid on some cardboard. And then, you know, transferred, you know, as you do to scale up, right. you, know, you, you know, you draw in each little square and then you scale it up and then we cut it out and then started piecing the cardboard together to get a real idea of what it was going to look like in three dimensions, which was That's a huge help. So we had this little, he ended up being 23 inches tall, uh, this mm-hmm. little cardboard model, which we had with us. All week long, he was with us. Our uh-huh. little, he was our little pet, um, mm-hmm. and we couldn't lose him because that's what we—that's what we use. Everything came off of him from that uh-huh. point on. Um, and building that was, you know, we could we could figure out now how are the legs going to go on, and how is it going to be right. supported underneath. Um, and okay, this uh, now that we look at it this way, the the chamber is gonna be too narrow let's widen him out you know and we could change him a little bit and and then finally glue him together and then we used that literally measured the model Uh this is four inches that's four feet and that's how we built it yeah which was it made it so much easier Um, yeah and was this solid sheet cord board or did michael insist that y'all use only Pattern edge cardboard. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know there were types of cardboard. Oh, like pattern. Oh, okay. I got you. The pattern ply. Pattern ply. The pattern ply. Just, I, yeah, you know. Sorry. It was a reach. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm just don't like being quiet. It was a reach though. <laughs> Wesley, I had one more question before we get into the like actual construction. Did you consider any other animals besides dinosaur or was it always dinosaur from day one? Um, I would have to go look at our texts. Again, that was a year, like a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I, I think we had a couple of ideas, but we landed on dinosaur pretty quickly. Uh, a, yeah. a T-Rex. We thought that would be a really good start. Um, yeah, I think I may have sat there and just like scrolled through emojis for a little while to see. And, um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how 
we landed on dinosaur, but once we did, we, we, we stuck with it. So we've, we've started discussing other, other animals for next year, but we're, you know, that that's still, we'll probably wait about six months before we, uh, start talking about that seriously. We're not, we're not sure. We're not even sure it's going to, if it's going to be an animal every time. Um, but you know, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, and doing different animals is just, you know, that that's a, uh, I think that's a good way to go. Um, but we're not, we're not married to that either. You know, if anybody has ideas, uh, you know, let Sasquatch. us, let us know. <laughs> Sasquatch. <laughs> that, yeah, we could do Sasquatch. Um, he may just, I mean, once we get him together, he may just look like a robot. Yeah. Yeah. Call so maker squat. Yeah. We'd have to figure out a way to, do, to get some fur. Yeah. The, uh, uh, what did, what, did, what were we calling him? Um, yeah. Maker sore. We were calling him maker sore for a while, which that sounds like something you get for you wear improper gloves or you're doing a lot of, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 It's a good, yeah. That's probably a good thing. We didn't, we didn't go with that one. If we, if we didn't wear our, our firm grip gloves. I have to give them a shout out because they sent us a <laughs> they sent us a huge box of gloves to wear for the build. The one thing, um, as someone who is watching it live, you know, we're all standing around and talking about it and admiring it, and we're like, okay, is it going to fall over before it burns to the ground <laughs> first, or is it going to do this, or is it going to do that? So y- your structure was spot on. But yeah, that was what, Michael. That's all Michael. I got to give yeah. him the credit for that. But I it, think yeah, the idea. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I don't want to lose your comment there. Um, it seemed like the key was how you guys, how the actual burning process worked. Because yeah, I'd have been like, uh, you light a match at the bottom and let her go. That'd have been a failure. Yeah, yeah. You guys took the actual burn part to a whole new level. So I'm curious. We have our we have our guesses as to how that happened. But what actually was the burning mechanism and process? Yeah, yeah you got. I actually I listened to your episode about talking about Maker Camp, and you you got pretty close. Um, okay. There was um, uh, again. This was from Michael's experience. Um, the way that uh, they, and I I feel bad because I, I I don't know the guy's name and I cannot think of the name of the event. Um, but the way the way he does it, that like uh, they did a it was it was like an elk. Uh, Michael had a video on, on the one that he, uh, that he helped build, um, uh, you know, his, he's looking up into the sky and so mm-hmm. there's kind of a chimney. And so they, they would build a fire in in the belly. So at first you get smoke billowing out of the mouth and then the fire finds its way up there and then it starts to burn. And, um, so we wanted to do the same thing. So our, our dinosaur, again, he's roaring up at the sky and uh, mouth wide open, and uh, we wanted that same effect. You get that smoke going first, and then you know, ideally, flame shooting out of his mouth. We wanted to, right. him to breathe fire, uh, and then and then burn in place. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that that we ensured that would happen is uh, you don't want to just build. Uh, you don't want to build a fire right at the bottom because right. yeah, you'll, the, you know, the bottom can drop out and then it just collapses and, you know, yeah, it's exactly what you don't want. Um, so we made a, uh, uh, it, there was a second story because the, because the dinosaur is basically, he's got the tail that comes out 
but most of his body is pretty vertical. You know, he's mm-hmm. got the big belly at the bottom. And he's, I'm trying to, so listeners can kind of visualize <laughs> and he kind of narrows up at the top. Um, so about halfway up, uh, we built a, a deck. Um, and the, uh, the, the bottom deck, which is where we started, which was a, basically a ramp shaped like a triangle that comes to a point for his tail. And, and that <laughs> we had to, we decked that out in, uh, wood that the local sawmill sent us, which was basically the long slices that come off the outside of the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the logs, which was, it's, that's not easy stuff to build from, but we were, we were able to, to deck out that bottom deck with it. And that way it had enough holes in it too. So you get plenty of ventilation underneath. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> halfway up his body, we built a small deck in there, which I, ended, I think ended up being about four by four, three by three, something like that. And um, we, we filled that area with, with kindling and we had some great help from, uh, uh, from Patrick Reynolds, mm, yeah. um, who, uh, who brought a bunch of cardboard and showed us, we, we rolled up a bunch of cardboard into, uh, into rolls, um, and then bundled those together and stood those up vertically in the center and then put a bunch of kindling around that and some larger wood. Uh, so that's up top. And then, and then we just filled the bottom with all the scrap that we had left over a bunch of that, you know, that stuff from the sawmill. Um, and then, uh, we came up with an idea to, because we had to light that top chamber first, but that was right. now closed off. Uh, once we got that filled, we, we closed off his back. We had a, an opening there in the back. Uh, but we left the bottom panel down at the bottom where his belly is. Uh, we made a, a trap door and uh, made sure we had enough room left. Uh, we got some, uh, some, some thick rope and uh, we, we strung that over one of the, uh, one of the beams that made up that, that upper deck uh, tied a great big knot in the end of it uh, and then soaked that in diesel. Oh. Uh, because that was, that was what we, that was, that's what Austin had. He's like, I got diesel. Okay. <laughs> so that's what we did first. Soak that in diesel. Uh, and then, you know, pulled that up inside and, uh, used the, uh, when it was time, we used the, uh, the ceremonial torch that Pat Lapp, uh, turned for me, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, lit that knot. Uh, I lit the knot and then Johnny pulled on the other end of the rope, pulled that flaming knot up to the deck right underneath all the, all that cardboard. And then we closed that trap door, nailed it shut and took off. And at first, you know, nothing was really happening. And it it was, it was so per, it really did. It went so perfectly Mm -hmm. Um, because you get smoke, you get the smoke billowing out and there's tension, you know, right. And then, and then his eye started to glow. You know, we had his eye cut out. His eye starts to glow. And then a couple of embers start to come out of his mouth. And then flames. And then, and then the crowd started getting really excited because yeah. as soon as the flames started coming out, it, it went fairly fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was breathing fire for several minutes, but then the head catches on fire. 
and he burned from top to bottom exactly like we wanted him to. It was it went so perfectly. He he really did. Uh, we went there the next day. There was the spot on the ground. The burn spot was dinosaur shaped. Mm-hmm. He did not he did not burn outside of that. He, he was you could see where the tail came to a point in the grass. It, he he came down straight down so perfectly. We were so proud of that. And, you know, it's when people go to big events, you know, sometimes like if it's a race car um, race or, or, or some of the things you're kind of you're kind of hoping for the car wreck. You're kind of cheering for it to go awry. Yeah. But everybody was like kind of like holding their breath in anticipation, hoping and knowing that it was going to go right. You know what I mean? This was not something that we're like, oh, well, maybe hopefully it'll do something squirrely. No, I mean, we we were uh, we were very impressed with it working like it looked like it exactly was supposed to work. That's kind of the great thing about about this, though, is that if it goes sideways, it's still going to be cool. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's just, uh, you know, it was it was controlled chaos. Um, and so much fun. And we, we got, we had so many people uh, saying, you can't believe you guys are doing all this work just to burn it down. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. That's we're excited. That's, that's what we're working for this whole time. Cause we want it to, cause it wasn't, we were just destroying it. We were, I mean, we, we were crafting a, uh, a, a pyrotechnic event that was supposed to yeah. go a certain way. So that was kind of the whole point of, of how we were, building it is to try to get it to burn a certain way. So it was, you know, uh, it, it was exciting. It was, yeah, I, it was, there's, there's a, Mark Adams took a picture of us, uh, the three of us standing, uh, looking up at the thing with this orange glow on our faces. And you can just see the pride on each one of our faces. Uh, I'm going to post that one on Instagram this week. Cause it's one of my favorite pictures. Uh, but yeah, we, we really were just, just totally proud of ourselves of, of what we had done. The good news is that you have your proof of concept now yeah, and you can talk to Austin and, and get up to like 40, 50 feet. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's what, yeah. We're, we were like, let's do this right. And let's like, cause I know his, his parents had some concerns also yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, about it. Uh, so we, yeah, we, we figured we get this one right and make them feel a lot better about it and uh, do it bigger next year. Because something to remember is you guys are not professional combustible dinosaur. Right. <laughs> I mean, this we was, are now. Yeah, you, you are now. Right. So, well, and the fact that it, it pulled off the way that you had envisioned, that, that's a testament. Um, Cause a lot of things could have gone wrong. And a lot of times even best, best intentions. Like when you were talking about the diesel fuel, you know, I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Diesel's that flammable to to serve that purpose, but in the end, everything did come together. There's so many points of potential failure that for it to come together and do what you intended is super impressive. Yeah, we we had uh, you know we had some some people around who had some good input. Um, you know, again, Patrick was uh, he he knew somehow he knew a lot about uh, fire building. He had talked about he called them one match fires. Um, how to how to build a fire you know, to get the kindling and everything just right uh, to ensure that it'll light. So, you know, we had some good feedback from him and, and I'll, and I'll tell you, we did have 
quite a bit of unsolicited advice on how we should burn it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. People love to tell you how to set a fire. <laughs> I think you just got a text message. Is that like the sound from back yep. to the future? <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I, I noticed that in one of your YouTube videos um, I watched. Uh, you, I think you mocked that someone had interrupted your recording, but yeah, yeah. it's like, oh man, I think that's the, the sound from back to the future. Every time something that, of great Scott worthiness. It, it's occurs. funny. I, I did uh, um, the fools with tools podcast. The exact same thing happened. And somebody, somebody guessed it the, the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, okay. I muted that. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's okay. Fine. Go ahead. That's okay. So um, uh, yeah, we, we had uh, people were really excited about it. At one point, we did that second day uh, of, of camp. We had to, uh, we had to put up signs for, it was a Q and a four o'clock because we had so many people wanting to, uh, you know, talk to us and ask us questions. And, uh, you know, it was, we were stopping way too often. People were, were really excited about it. Um, and that was one of the things also, uh, uh, about like once, once camp started, cause camp started on, on Friday. Um, and we were there, uh, you know, the whole week prior. So uh, that was one of the things that we had to make sure in our planning was not to finish it. We were deliberately not True. finishing it before people got there because we wanted them to see it being built, but also build. Excitement. Yeah. We all also, we can't build that in two and a half days. So uh, yeah. there was, you know, there was a, it was a balancing act to make sure we got, uh, you know, like on Friday, we had enough done that you might guess what it is, but it, there's still, you know, over the next couple of days, you really start to see it come together. You know, once we got the arms on and got the legs and the head, uh, you know, right there at the end, you know, we saved, we saved that to last because uh, we wanted it to, you know, that the, the head, I mean, that tops it off. That was the, you know, he's, he's got the, you know, the big gaping mouth and the big teeth. Um, and so that was, you know, that, that was, that was kind of our, the pre finale was to see it, you know, finally finished like that. And, and it was all, uh, it was all like scrap wood, like I mentioned before, it was all, so he was kind of patchwork too, which gave him a lot of character, uh, which was, which was, which was deliberate. We didn't want him to look, you know, perfectly finished out. This was, you know, uh, and we had trouble getting, getting plywood, uh, also, um, cause I mean, it's expensive and they didn't have a big budget to give us for this, just, just to burn it. I know that's one of the concerns they right. had was, you know, they didn't want to buy, buy a bunch of plywood just to burn the plywood. Um, especially since they hadn't seen how this goes yet. So luckily I was about to, because we were looking, looking for it. There was no way we were going to get it done with, we, I mean, we had two by fours, we had one buys, we had, you know, the, the sawmill stuff. Uh, and we were right at the point, I think it was on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. We were right at the point where we need plywood. And I was about to just, you know, go spend 250 bucks just to pick up some plywood. Uh, and again, uh, I got to thank Patrick. Um, he showed up and he was, Oh, you need plywood. We, we had a half built thing out by our pond. And so Michael and I jumped in, uh, his, uh, his, uh, SUV and drove out there and just loaded up a bunch of, uh, janky plywood. And, 
and brought it back. And it, and somehow, once we had that, more plywood started started showing up. Every once in a while, a guy <laughs> in a golf cart would drive by and just like dump a half a sheet of plywood on the pile and drive off. And he, they kept doing that over over a couple of days. I just I guess I think Austin was finding plywood around the or they were taking a building apart. I don't know. Um, but it was some of that stuff, though, uh, it was all, um, uh, it wasn't great stuff. You're not going to build a building based on what we had. You know, some of it was OSB. Um, some of it was was wet, was, at, was actually wet. Um, and some of it's, there was one piece, Michael and I were up on that boom lift um they oh. they just let they just gave us a boom lift like we didn't know how to operate the thing either again there are no rules and we're up on this thing putting this piece and we lift it into place up on his chest and the smell that came off of this piece of plywood it had to i think they had a petting zoo there at the resort <laughs> oh wow <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was like pre-soaked in gasoline, not in. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was bad. And we had to saw it while we were up there. So we had our, our circular Mm. saw. Oh man. And it was, and we were, it was like slimy and yeah. And and so we get it nailed into place. We have to cut it because a lot of the times we would, we kind of rough cut it, put it up there and then up in the air, we'd take the circular saw and cut off the ends to shape. And Mm -hmm. And it was a little windy. So all of this, whatever soaked plywood sawdust <laughs> was just flying in our faces as we're cutting this thing. It was the absolute worst. Yeah. We got down and went and like washed up after that. Cause that was, that was the worst piece. Uh, so yeah, some of it was, uh, there, there was a guy who came by, um, the, you, you always get the, any, anytime you're building something, you get the guys who come by with the advice on, you know, how to build it. And, uh, he was like, Oh, it's a, it's a shame. You're using all that wood on, on this just to burn it. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the point. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, you know, something you could use like, well, I mean, this is, it's not great wood. It's, you know, we're not going to build. Oh, something. It was like, discolored. Yeah. 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 He, he, he says, he says, yeah, but you could do something with it. I'm like, <laughs> we did. <laughs> Yeah. This is, do you see the big dinosaur? That's what we did with it. That's about all it was good for. You should have handed them the scrap goat urine pieces. Be like, here, you can build something out of this. <laughs> yeah. You, you make, make yourself a, a whiskey box out of that. You go ahead. <laughs> so besides those surprises, were there any other like surprises, good or bad that you guys kind of ran across as you were going? Ah, uh, uh, let me think. Um, there was troubleshooting along the way that we, you know, we had to work out uh, as far as, you know, mostly materials. Um, and, um, you know, there was, uh, there, I mean, there were, there were, of course there were disagreements about things, you know, you get the three guys together who are, you know, used to working by themselves. Oh yeah. And, and we're, we each have ideas on, on how to solve a problem, you know? So, uh, Especially because we were exhausted too. By the end of that week, we were we were beat. That was an, a whole week of, you know, morning to evening, uh, rushing around and building. And so, you know, there was there, there was there was some there was some friction, but you know, that's, bound that, to that's 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, it's all good. We're good friends. And I love those guys to death, especially after this. We're, we're like, that was a, it was, that's a real team building experience, what we went through. Um, but yeah, as far as surprises, I'm going to, I don't know, let me think about that. There's nothing really that came up, you know, like I, everything went pretty smoothly. Um, you know, like I said, as you know, as soon as we needed plywood, plywood showed up. That's kind of, <laughs> that's, that's kind of this community too, is, right. you know, you just start talking about, you know, we need some stuff. Somebody's going to go, Hey, I heard you need some stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, luckily everything went, you know, as, I don't want to say it went smoothly, it went as smoothly as, you know, as, as we could, could expect it, could hope to. So I saw in your Instagram, one of the souvenirs you brought back was that torch. Oh yeah. Uh, what are your plans for that? Are you going to set other things on fire with it? Or? I thought about, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I thought about like bringing it back each year. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be, that would be neat. I had considered uh, bringing that back every year, making that the traditional torch. Um, uh, but the, uh, the way we kind of jury rigged, uh, how we did the wicking. I didn't do the wick part right. I kind of described to Brett, I'd asked him to make like a metal piece, um, sort of a, a I was thinking sort of a crown sort of thing, you know, uh, like you might see yeah. it on, on a nice torch. Um, but he'd come up with something I could wrap the wicking around like these spirally bits. Uh, we had three of these that ended up looking pretty cool. Um, but it, it wasn't ideal for the, for the wick. It didn't, I didn't do the wick. Right. In fact, that was, that, that was one thing that did go wrong was, uh, uh, I had, I had bought up like a roll of wick that I wrapped around it and we had, uh, lighter fluid. Um, but, uh, they had, uh, they, they, they brought us some lighter fluid to use. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the resort did somebody there at the resort and they said they had two full bottles, but somehow, it disappeared. So we had like a third of a bottle. That's what we were going to use to start, to start the whole thing too. So I only had enough for the, for really for the torch. So I was trying to conserve it and Mark Adams was taking pictures beforehand. So we had the torch lit and I wasn't putting enough fuel on it. When you don't do that, it just burns the wick up. And so what happened when we got down to the time when I actually had to light the thing, I couldn't light the torch <laughs> because I didn't have the, the wick was so charred. I had really had to soak mm. the end of it in uh, in lighter fluid to to get the thing to start. So we have one question that we always ask every guest that comes on, and it's typically like your favorite three tools, or if you're going to leave your workshop, start a new workshop, the three tools that you would bring with you. And uh, so, oh, 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 I wish, I, oh, I should have been paying better attention when I was listening, because, um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, you know, I've thought about this. I've thought about this before and I've got there's several tools in my shop that are, I love a tool that really does one job, uh, but it just does that job really well. I love a good specialized oh, yeah. tool. Um, and one that comes to mind is, well, you know what, uh, at, at the top of the list, I'll probably put Clico's. Uh, which is a tool that I get asked about a lot in my videos. Hmm. Um, it, it's a, people are still learning what these things are. I, I've been talking about them for a couple of years and I still get people asking because it's just not a common tool. It's very common in the aircraft industry. Uh, 
but it's basically it's a hole clamp. Uh, it's a cylinder. Um, on one end is a plunger. You have to have a pair of a special pair of pliers. Uh, you can't push this down with with your thumb. Uh, but think like the end of a of a clicky pen. Um, you push that in, and out the other end comes uh, these little sort of uh, uh, bits of metal. Um, and then you you stick that, say you drill a hole through two pieces of uh, sheet aluminum, okay? And you're going to fasten those together with a rivet. Uh, but you're not going to rivet everything yet, but you got to hold everything in place as you go. So you stick, you press that plunger, you stick that end in there, and then it retracts, and it kind of expands a little bit, and then pulls those two pieces together and holds it. And I have dozens of those, and they are, they, they made, learning about uh, pop rivets uh, years ago, uh, and Clecos is what made it possible for me to start doing signage and working with metal. Because at the time, welding was beyond, that seemed like something that was never, I was never going to be able to learn. But, you know, cutting some aluminum, drilling some holes, I could do that. So Clecos, Clecos is right up there. Number two, I do love my maker knife. My maker knife is in my mm. pocket all the time. I carry it with me everywhere. Cool. Um, I had a multi-tool for a while and I found I just never really used it. Uh, I know guys, will, they'll pull those things out all the time. Uh, they'll use the pliers all the time. And that's mostly what I see. They use the pliers and sometimes the knife. Mm -hmm. But I find myself not using the pliers that much. I really just used the knife. So I didn't need the whole mm -hmm. multi-tool. So having that maker knife in there and being able to replace the, the blade. And it's so it's so flat and it stays in that little, the, my watch pocket, my jeans. Uh, that's That's one of my favorites. I can't wait to see his version two. I have a notching tool. I wanted to, I wanted to choose something that this is also one that I use for sheet metal. I wanted to, I wanted to find something completely different, but I do love this tool. It's, it's from Klein tools. It's a 30 degree notching tool. And all it does is cut notches in the edge of sheet metal. Oh. Uh, when, when I'm making a sign and I have to bend a flange, um to you know connect it to a wall for a sign uh and say so you've got a curve you can't just bend the edge of that over you have to you have to cut tabs around it and then bend those tabs over and that notching tool it that th I've had it for several years now and it goes right through that aluminum perfectly every time it's so easy to use cuts perfect notches it's such a I, it pleases me every time I cut all that make, I make these little triangles of metal all over the floor that stick in the bottom of my shoe. And it just, it pleases me looking down and seeing all these little metallic teeth. When I watched your rocket fuel donut sign video and you have the montage of you cutting yeah. those, I was like, just how relaxing to see that it, it did. It just could clink. Clink. It was like a punching hole in paper. It was, you didn't struggle. Yeah. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. And then just to watch you go all the way around the sign and do that. I was like, wow, what a tool. If I ever do that kind of stuff, 
I got to get one yeah, of those. It, it really, it's, it's a, it's a really nice tool. Yeah. I still, I, I have to say it's, that, that's still one of my favorites. I, I don't know if you could start a shop with those three things, but <laughs> you could do some very specific sign work uh, and it would go much, much easier. Those are good. So. Yeah. If, yeah. People, I, I encourage people to go look up Clico's. After watching some of your videos, I have, I have a, a pack of a hundred of them in my cart Oh yeah, on the, on the website. Yeah. But, uh, it's so much better. Like I use rivets and nails to hold, like I was, I just did some big anvil stands where I riveted these, uh, brass logos onto the steel. Yep. And I was like using rivets to hold it in place while I was hammering the, cause I was doing solid rivets, right, right. you know, like hand, hand hammered rivets. And, uh, I'm like, man, that would have been so much better yeah. to have something that would clamp and hold and hold them in alignment. Cause I had, you know, I think there was like four rivet holes on each piece of the logo. Yeah. Yeah. They're fan. They hold them, they did like hold them perfectly in place. They come in different sizes too, for anybody listening, they come in different for different hole sizes. There's like eight, three sixteenths, uh, something else. Um, and they're different. It's pretty, pretty standard. I don't, I don't know if Clico, I think Clico was a brand name, but I'm not positive. Uh, but there's, I think it's pretty standard now. Like the the eighth inch is a copper color, and the smaller ones I think are a silver color, and then the others are a gold color. I think so. Yeah, if you buy them, keep that in mind. I noticed the eighth inch actually could hold up to a quarter inch of depth, which I thought that was pretty impressive. That that small of a hole could could go, go, go deep. Yeah, I'll use them to hold uh, something onto onto wood too. It'll kind of squeeze in there. And, and hold in a piece of wood. So they're, they're, they're fairly, they're specialized, but they're, you know, it doesn't have to be two pieces of sheet aluminum. Uh, you'll find, you'll find other uses for them. So if you can maybe just tell everybody where everybody can find you at. Um, just, uh, yeah. Search for my name, uh, Wesley treat, uh, as in trick or treat, uh, which is, it's, I get that from everybody every year. Um, at wesleytreat.com. Um, at Instagram at Wesley underscore treat, unfortunately, um, and YouTube slash Wesley treat. Uh, but if you go to, yeah, just go to wesleytreat.com or wtreat.com if you have trouble spelling the Wesley part. Oddly, a lot of people do. Thanks a lot for coming on. We really enjoyed it tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for letting me, uh, talk about myself <laughs> endlessly. <laughs> All right. Good night. <laughs> No, it's okay because we'll talk about ourselves before you come on and after you uh, after you. Jump <laughs> okay, on. yeah. Thanks a lot. I, I had a lot of fun. So when Wesley Treat agreed to come on the show, I immediately thought of the amazing signs that he made. And I know we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about his signs, so I thought maybe we could talk about signs on our own. And what do I mean by that? I mean signs of all kinds, signs that you have up in your shop, label that you have on certain equipment. Uh, signs that you you can't see doing without, signs that you wish you had, or signs that equipment's failing or something's going wrong. Just when I talk about signs in the workshop, what does that mean to you? So, Austin, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you what do signs in the shop mean to you? Well, in my shop, I actually have two signs. I have my old um, storefront from from my Austin surfboard sign. That's cool. So when I was moving out, the uh, the landlord's like, well, you know, are you taking that with you? And I was like, well, in the paperwork, it said that we can't take any upgrades or whatever. And then, uh, he's like, Oh really? And, but he was such, he, he was such a dick and kept my deposit, even though we, anyways, long story, 
I was like, I'm taking this damn sign. Cause it was like three grand for the mm-hmm. sign. Yeah. And uh, so we took it down, but it was using like these crazy ballast. Um, yeah. You know, like the old fluorescent style bulbs. And so actually when I mounted it in my shop, I gutted the whole inside. And then the, the same LEDs that I use in my shop, I actually, you know, uh, reworked them so I could mount them, flush mount them inside the sign. So that's what I turned it to where it's an LED sign now. So it's not burning. It's an awesome sign. That was a good grab. Yeah. And then I also have my, uh, my buddy, Steve DeVita made the, uh, my high caliber sign. That's like the sheet of aluminum with the uh, Mm. black. Um, I think it's HDPE. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just like my normal high caliber logo, not the, not the, not the circle logo, but the, the tombstone looking logo. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mainly that's cool. what I have. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I like signs and I would definitely have some more, but, uh, that's, that's what I have for now. What about you? Christy. Um, the one, the first sign that I got, um, whenever we, I moved into the, the last house where I had the workshop, I was like, this place needs a sign because it's kind of like gives it identity, gives it some kind of, you know, anchor. So the friend of mine who I actually got the, um, CNC from, she has a sign shop where you do the DIY signs. She cuts out all the stencils. You kind of come in, have your little, you know, party or group of friends, um, paint and party to, to do the signs. And what I had her make was it's kind of a combination of all types of names. I didn't come up with the twisted twine woodworking at the time. So there was everything from Steinman studio to Mam cave. Um, trying to think what the other ones are. I'll post a, I'll post a picture, um, on the Instagram, but just all kinds of different names of what I could call it, um, including my place. And, you know, that's one of my favorite signs, but I've also picked up other signs or received signs. Like the most recent sign that I got was from Jacob and Jade from other dog design. And they made that dangerous curves ahead sign for me, which I still chuckle every time I look at it and it will be uh, displayed prominently in the shop. So I'm a big fan of signs. They, uh, they, they, you know, they give us identity. They give us kind of, and there's usually a story behind it. So those are two of, of my favorite signs by far. So what do you, what, what about you there, Dean? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the dangerous curve sign. Cause I was thinking both of you have gotten signs from other dog designs, uh, Austin with the high caliber camp sign that came out amazing. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about the dangerous curve sign as well. And I've gotten some signs, Matt Voltner that we interviewed earlier on in the podcast, he made me a sign that I have hanging up. And then in addition to the sign Matt made, if you're paying attention to the ornaments that I'm posting, there's a purple and gold sign behind that Harvester Woodworks made for me. Uh, I had made her some stamps, just we had been following each other for a long time. So I wanted to make her these stamps and she wanted to send me something in return and sent me this amazing epoxy pour sign that she cut on the jigsaw, which if you know me or on the scroll saw, and if you know me, I never could have cut that on the scroll saw. So I really appreciate it. But I was thinking about the other types of signs, just like, I, so I'm in safety professionally. And, and so we always talk about hazard analysis and situational awareness and things like that. And I just think about like machines that I'll have headphones on listening to music. And we talked to Wesley about the X car and I'll hear a bit grab and the noise chains. I'm like, that's a sign. Something's wrong. Get up and run over there and check it out. 
Um, and same thing I've had where uh, I was, when I made actually Ethan Carter's stamps, I'm watching the laser and the fire doesn't look right. Like the rubber is burning and it shouldn't do that. And that was a sign to me that something is not right. And I had put the, uh, the air assist fan on backwards. So I had actually created a mini forge in my glow forge, um, <laughs> as Austin likes to say. So uh, I, I thought not only of the signs that I do put up everywhere, but also the signs that if you're listening to what you're doing and you're paying attention to what you're doing, um, your machines and equipment can tell you if something's going to go wrong before it goes catastrophic. I love it because Dean is the polar opposite of me. He's like the safety guy. And I'm the one who removes all the safety labels on every machine. I'm like, no, take this stuff off. You know, like I don't, I don't want it on there. I want my machines stripped clean. Like I want them anything. Cause I buy so many at auctions that come from like government facilities and stuff. Oh. So they have like eye protection required. Yeah. All the this stuff. Posts. And uh, yeah. And, and then sometimes it'll be like six of them. I'm like, like one wasn't enough, man. Like how, how many, and they put it on with like the worst adhesive. So I'm, I'm always constantly trying to remove those, but my favorite uh, tool uh, signs that are, so there's a guy on um, YouTube called AVE. I don't know if you guys have ever watched his stuff, but he sells his own stickers and they're great. They're like inappropriate. You know, it's like, you know, keep your dick beaters off my tools, you know, don't, don't put your hands where you wouldn't put your, you know, and it's, I'm like, these are the safety stickers that I would much prefer on my machines instead of these, like, you know, actual warning labels. Well, for me, um, yeah, we probably could, uh, uh, Marvin has become my, uh, signs and signal that there's a problem because like when we were, when I was on the bulldozer this weekend and I was trying to operate the bulldozer while also operating my cell phone and taking video. He's like waving and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, bad idea. And I'm like, but honey, I need a video of this. He's like, uh, no, no. And then you ended up with no internet. Well, that that (laughs) happened earlier, but yes. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I think, um, I think Marvin's more my sign signal than, than myself. (laughs) Every time we talk about it or we were talking about it before we recorded, like in my head, I just kept getting signs, signs everywhere, a sign. Yeah. You know that song, Austin? I don't know. It seems like a song you would like. No. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the signs? You know know that song? No idea. It's about long-haired freaky people. I figured that'd be right down your alley. I'm not not long-haired or freaky. And I don't know. I'm not a Willie Nelson fan either. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. If you'd like to reach out to us, or if you know of a maker with a fantastic project that deserves a deep dive, send us a message on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram and YouTube. Austin is at High Caliber Craftsman. Christy can be found at Twisted Twine Woodworking. And I'm at Dean underscore Duplantis. Thanks again, friends. His voice killed like 30 times. He yells, kill the lights. Kill the lights. Like, okay. After the fifth time and that we don't turn the lights off, clearly we're not listening to you. But he was. Yeah. He's like that uncle you wish didn't come to the holiday. Yeah. Party. Yeah. He was, uh, him, he, he and his friend were drunk and would not be quiet. And they were.